Pastor Ray Bentley addresses the belief of so many that having some kind of belief will get us to heaven. It doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you believe and we'll all end up getting into the same place. But the cross of Jesus Christ declares there is no other way of salvation, period. And if there was some other way for man to be saved, why then did Jesus have to die on the cross? Spread the news of his people coming down before the king. Lift your voice, Jesus is coming. Join the song, sing along, let it ring. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Why would God send His Son to die on a cross if we were all going to the same place anyway? Today, Pastor Ray focuses on the truth about the path that leads to heaven. There's only one, and it's by way of God's Son, Jesus Christ. As they say in the advertisements, accept no substitutes. Title of the message is The Night Jesus Restored Paradise. We're going to talk about Jesus entering into the garden and surrendering his life, his will, to the will of the Father. And um, you can never go wrong when, for love of God our Father, you surrender your will, your life, everything you have and everything you are, to him. Amen? Amen. And tonight I'm going to, I'm going to give us... a a unique opportunity to to do that very thing. So, Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 39, we'll pick up where we left off the last time. This is the prayer in the garden. And we read in verse 39, it says, Coming out, he, Jesus, went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to the disciples, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now, why would Jesus say, as soon as he enters the garden, the first thing he says, pray that you don't enter into temptation. You think maybe he's reminded of what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden, that if they had been watching and waiting and praying and trusting in a relationship, they would have been prepared for temptation. Think of this, sin happened in the garden of Eden When there was no sin, there was no curse, God was ruling and reigning sovereignly in the universe, everything was perfect, there was no curse, there was no death, there was no police, no army, no hospitals, no medication, none of it even necessary, and yet we had sinned. So now Jesus, this is actually a great prayer, especially since this is where Adam failed in the garden. So note that everything that Adam failed and forfeited in the garden, Jesus will now succeed. He is the last Adam. And here's the really exciting thing. You and I, before, even when we were born, the Bible says we were born sinners. You didn't even, I mean, we all chose sin on our own along the way, but you were born little sinners. I know babies are cute. They're so snuggly and they're probably the closest, uh, you know, to innocence in heaven as we get, but... As those cute little babies grow up, they, you don't have to teach them to be sinners, do you? You have to teach them to tell the truth. You have to teach them to do right things. So that, that sin nature is unfortunately still there. 
So Jesus, he, he undoes what Adam did. He is obedient. He, he is in prayer with the Father in relationship in the garden. Verse 41, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed. I want you to notice that, that Jesus knelt down. God seeks true worshipers. He, he revealed to the woman at the well that he seeks true worshipers. The Father seeks such who are true worshipers to worship him. That God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We mentioned also, if you weren't here, the very first time the word worship is used in the Bible is Genesis chapter 22, where Abraham said, as God asked him to sacrifice his son, that I will go with Isaac yonder to the mountain the Lord has shown me, and there we will worship, and then we will return to you. The lad and I will return. So it shows that he believed in that he would return and that God would resurrect Isaac, uh, and that's the faith now of, of the, everybody, uh, of, of the entire church, both Gentile and Jew. But the word worship means, I'm gonna give it to you as simply as I can. The word worship means to bend the knee. In other words, it is like this. Worship is to bend the knee, meaning I am not in charge. I am not the center of the universe. I am not the boss of the applesauce. I am not God, he is. You bend the knee to acknowledge and humble yourself that you are surrendered to the one who made you and the one who created you. Notice in that Adam and Eve did not bend the knee, they did not worship the Lord, but they stood there taking the fruit that was forbidden into their own hands. And how many would agree we've had a belly full of that fruit, of the knowledge of good and evil? We've had enough of it, yeah? So the way back to salvation, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, not me. Not you, not us, amen? So notice here in the garden that Jesus, undoing what Adam did, gets on his knees. A stone's throw away, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, there's a relationship, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. And then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Here we find that Jesus is now praying three times Jesus prayed about the cup. Father, and, and what was the cup? The cup is the crucifixion and the cross. Three times Jesus prayed, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. And three times more he prayed, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And then he would return to the disciples whom he wanted to be praying with him. If ever there was a night that Jesus on the humanity side of him wanted and needed fellowship, encouragement, Disciples to be up praying for him, it was that night. And they all had fallen asleep. They all failed, as it were, on the job that night. I'm sure they felt that for the rest of their lives. It seems that we uh, who even love 
and follow and believe in Jesus are constantly tempted to be asleep at the very hour we most need to be awake. We need to be, and this is the, this is the hour. This is an hour that the believers who are the bride of Jesus Christ need to be awake because of what we see happening in the world. We need to be wide awake and, and very alert. How many would agree the world's in big trouble right now? I mean, which, you know, economically, politically, nature, you know, natural disasters, earthquake after flood, after tsunami, after volcanoes, after oil spills. I mean, we can't even keep up with it all. And those are the things we have no control over. The things we can control, like our economy, that's out the window too. Geopolitically, things are crazy. Don't you think this would be a great time for about seven billion people to get down on their knees and say, oh God, we do not know how to correct the mess that we have put ourselves in. Help, save us. Bend the knee and confess Jesus is Lord. Have mercy, pour out your spirit upon us. How many would agree with that? Well, okay, so not everybody's doing it, but some who are paying attention. Most of the world right now, I think is unfortunately kind of asleep. But those who are filled with the Holy Spirit, knowing that the signs are there, that the coming of the Lord is near, Jesus said over and over and over again in parable and teaching, he said, watch and pray. That means be awake, be alert, see the signs, be prepared. For the Son of Man comes like a thief in the night at an hour you do not expect. So be watching, be waiting, be alert, be in prayer, Lord. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. Jesus was awake and he was alert in that very moment. The disciples were sleeping. And by Jesus saying, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. It was, if I could put it into other words, it was Jesus saying, if salvation for mankind is possible any other way than the cross, let this cup, Father, pass from me. Why? Because when Jesus bore our sins and the sins of the world were laid upon him, for it is written in the Old Testament, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Jesus is the Son of God, the eternal Son of God. He is known as the Ancient of Days. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And now the sins of all humanity will be laid upon him. And what is the punishment for sin? Death. And what is death? Separation from God. This is a great mystery. This is why Jesus crying out as the sins of the world were upon him, Father, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I, you know, this is a great mystery uh, that, that Jesus, he who knew no sin, the Bible says, was made sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We have no idea what that, what that moment was. There was somehow for a, a brief moment, a, a breach, a separation as Christ became sin for you and for me. No wonder Jesus prayed with such emotion and anxiety that he's on his knees sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. Father, if it's possible, believe me, Jesus was, here's what he was saying in that prayer. If there is any other possible way for man to be saved other than the cross, let it come. But when he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done, if that is the only way, Father, for mankind to be saved, so be it. I present my body to you, a sacrifice, a lamb, a Passover. I will take their punishment that you might have mercy upon them and forgive them. If they will repent and believe and trust in me, then we can be reconciled. 
This is essentially what I believe Jesus Christ was praying. And the answer from the Father was, essentially, son, I'm sorry, there is no other way for man to be saved, and therefore the cup of the cross is absolutely necessary for salvation. And if I may say, it is this cup that Christ had to drink of the cross that is what is so offensive to so many people in the world. That Christianity is so narrow, how dare you say that there's only one way to God? Well, how dare you question it when Jesus sweat as it were on your behalf, great drops of blood praying if there was any other way, let it come and yet it did not come. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. So many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray's teachings on Maranatha Radio have meant to them. What a blessing it was to be taught by Pastor Ray. He is greatly missed. But Pastor Ray's son, Daniel, has taken the reins and is doing great work in teaching God's Word. I can see the Holy Spirit burning in Pastor Daniel, and I am proud to support and be led by him as my teacher. May God's hand continue to rest on Daniel as we pray for the entire Bentley family. These teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Many people will say today, and this is the mantra, the chant around the world, all roads lead to God. It doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you believe and we'll all end up getting into the same place. But the cross of Jesus Christ declares there is no other way of salvation, period. There's no other Savior. There's no other Lord. There's no other plan. There is no plan B. This is it. That's why Jesus said in the Gospel of John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father unless he comes through me. And if there was some other way for man to be saved, why then did Jesus have to die on the cross? If there's hundreds of ways and thousands of paths, why then would God allow his son to go be tortured, beaten, nailed, whipped, crucified? If you can be saved by being good, which is what so many people believe, then the cross was absolutely unnecessary. But the cross declares that there's only one way to be forgiven of our sins and to approach God, and that is through the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul finally said, look, I'm not gonna be fancy, I'm not gonna try to argue or be philosophical or try to make it relevant to all of you. I will preach Christ and Him crucified. And that is it. To the Jews, it is offensive. To the Greeks, it is foolishness. But the Bible says unto us, we're saved. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. This, what seems as offensive to one and foolish to another, this is the wisdom of God. This is the power of God. This is the height, depth, width and breadth of the love of God, that God loved us so much He was willing to give His only begotten Son that whoever would believe and trust in Him, dying on the cross for your sins, would be forgiven and receive eternal life. 
1 Corinthians 1.18 is in your notes. Let's read that out loud. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So look with me in verses 47 and 48. It says, And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude. And he who was called Judas, so now this is the morning after the, you know, we're getting into the early morning uh, hours. And one called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Hmm. Judas here, very quickly, he shows how little he understood Jesus. He brings a little army of soldiers. Did he think Jesus was going to try to run away? No. He came to meet this very end. He said, for this purpose was I born. Did he think Jesus was going to try to hide? He wasn't going to hide. He's right there at the base of the Mount of Olives. All the religious leaders are powerful. They're right here. He's not hiding. He's in open, plain view right in front of the temple. Maybe Judas thought that Jesus would try to perform some miracle. But if Jesus had wanted to perform a miracle and the power of God was demonstrated, he had already shown that he can rebuke wind and waves. Uh, he, he's already shown he has authority over the seas, uh, demons, uh, resurrecting life. Well, what's, what's an army going to do to the power of God? Jesus was there because he wanted to. He willingly came and laid down his life. We see that Judas tarnished everything that he touched. Did you know that his name means praise? Judas is a variation of Judah, the tribe of Judah, from which we get the word Jews. His name means praise, but he did not praise the Lord and he did not trust in the Lord. May I suggest to you that Judas, for three and a half years that he was with Christ, never became born again or a believer. He followed Jesus, he studied Jesus, he observed Jesus, he listened to Jesus, he even shared stories, prayed for people in Jesus' name. I think that maybe miracles happen, things would take place, but he never believed in his own heart. And finally, Judas came to the place where he totally rejected Jesus' attitude, his humility, the way he was bringing the kingdom. He was so low, he was such a servant, he didn't use his power to take on the Romans. Judas totally rejected who Jesus was for his person and his ways. And then we find out, you know, how did he betray him? Classic. Judas invades and, and interrupts the most important prayer meeting ever taking place in human history between God the Father and Jesus the Son. Interrupting the blood being spilled on the ground. The height of a hardness of heart. He invaded a prayer meeting. Proverbs 27, verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. There's Judas Iscariot. Finally, look with me in verses 49 through 53. And we'll close with this. When those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? Remember, Jesus had said, you know, you need a sword. But they had taken him literally and they brought a couple of swords. Crazy guys. They didn't understand what he meant. What Jesus meant was the sword of the word of God. He meant the sword of discernment through the timing of God and the will of God and doing the right thing the right way like the Apostle Paul who used the sword of the truth and even used his Roman citizenship so he could preach the gospel to Nero. That was the meaning of the sword. 
And so they took it in the physical sense and one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. He wasn't a soldier, he was a servant of, of the high priest, a religious guy. And we know who it was, Luke doesn't mention him, but who was it? It was Peter. And good thing Peter was probably sleepy because he missed. He didn't chop his head off or cut him in half, he just sliced an ear off, you know. He did a bad job. But Jesus answered and said, permit even this, and he touched his ear and healed him. I mean, is that weird? The guy's ear's there, he's bleeding, crying, oh, he's a little, and Jesus reaches down into the dirt, picks his ear off, you know, and dusts it off, puts it back on his head, and, and he can hear. How many would think that if you're a soldier, like, maybe we're not in charge of this whole operation? <laughs> is something wrong here? That guy just healed his ear. And then Jesus said to the chief priests and the captains of the temple and the elders who had come to him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you in, daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. We note that the kingdom of God does not come or advance by means of men's swords. May I suggest to you that um, I think we're going to see frightening things economically, geopolitically, Israel, and whatever else and all will happen. And many people will say, what we need to do is fight. We need to grab swords and rebel and revolution and this and that. That is not going to bring the kingdom of God. How many of you actually believe that that wouldn't bring the kingdom of God? Everybody grab a sword and start fighting other people. That's not how the kingdom of God comes. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses three through five. Let's read this scripture out loud, shall we? For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's what the Lord wants, doing the right thing in the right way spiritually, the word of God. So here's Peter was sleeping when he should have been praying. He was talking when he should have been listening. He was boasting when he should have been fearing the Lord. And then he was fighting when he should have been surrendering. In the end, how did Jesus do it? How did he face that cup? How did he drink the cup? How do we face our cup? How do we drink the cup that God gives to us? Very simply by this, love. Jesus loved his father, he loved us, he trusted his father and surrendered his life and his will completely. He turned over as it were the steering wheel and he said, Father, thy will be done. And it all worked out, didn't it? Jesus rose from the dead, he then ascended into heaven, he's seated at the right hand of the father, he's coming back, he's bringing his kingdom and now millions have been saved, both of Jew and Gentile, made into the body of Christ. For all things work together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Amen. Pastor Ray Bentley, pointing out how Jesus trusted His Father and loved us and agreed to give His life voluntarily for our sins. Important insight today here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, The Night Jesus Restored Paradise. If you missed any part of the message, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. 
Also, click the word media and you'll see the words watch, radio, and Devo. Three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And then after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we're approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us. But we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return. The whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.